Welcome to Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, a passionate and relentless pursuit of exploring how individuals use good judgment in everyday life, both in their personal and professional lives. In this new episode of Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, I am speaking to Nadia Belchek, one of South Africa's beloved export to the United States. Nadia Bilchek anchored for Mnet TV in South Africa before moving to the US in 1997, where she hosted a variety of shows on CNN International and Weekend Passport on CNN. She has interviewed figures like Madiba, George Clooney, Tom Hanks, amongst others during her illustrious and extraordinary career. I look forward to tapping the wisdom she has gained on the global stages as a truly global citizen. Nadia, thank you for taking the time. Dudu, you know, you and I are meeting for the first time in person. We've only met virtually before And it's like this. I've known you my <laughs> lifetime. Right. Well, we've Zoomed. <laughs> yes, we now have. Now we're resuming. Uh, yeah, and I also follow you a lot on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, so that's great. But you now live in Atlanta, the US. Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. And, but you were born in South Africa. Yes, I was born in South Africa. And I will tell you, South Africa will always be home. <laughs> I've lived in Atlanta since yeah. 1997. But I always talk about this coming home. This is like home. coming yes. home. Yes. And we're very happy to have you again. <laughs> so tell me a bit about your upbringing. And do you have siblings? What did you do for fun? Oh. Like? Okay. So I actually did a whole op-ed for CNN yeah. about growing up as a white South African. I don't know if you saw that op-ed, but it was an interesting one because, and you know, you and I like to go deep fast. Yeah. But I grew up... Um, born in the 60s. In fact, I was born in 1964, which is the same year that Mandela was imprisoned and Martin Luther King won the Nobel Peace Prize. Gosh. Oh, right. I didn't quite put those dates together before. Yes. And grew up in the northern suburbs of Johannesburg, South Africa. I have three siblings. They are all physicians. I saw that. You you had a a session with all three of them. That's right. I sometimes do a conversation with doctors Bilchik, Bilchik and Bilchik. And I had a very privileged Mm. upbringing and I speak a lot about it because I think as I got older, it was only when I was probably about 14 or 15, did our awareness around South African Mm. apartheid really sink in. Because remember, we grew up to do where SABC had full control. So you weren't exposed to what was really going on. So I have... I have my upbringing and then I have the layers of looking back at an upbringing of being a white person in apartheid mm. South Africa, which is impossible not to do. But it's always amazing when somebody admits and appreciates that I was privileged because most people are very dis- uncomfortable about that. Well, I think it's important. And as I say, I wrote this particular op-ed looking at we were privileged in terms of education, mm. in terms of you know, one of my earliest memories I speak about is watching people be arrested for not having their passes. So the juxtaposition of this very privileged elite upbringing yeah. and then being exposed to what was going on. But I don't think we can look back at the upbringing if you grew up in South Africa as a white person in the 60s. And then, of course, being privileged to be here yeah. for the first democratic elections. Oh, yeah. Those and cues. And being part of that. Those cues. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. Um, 
and we're so happy we are in the new South Africa now. Well, it's extraordinary. I remember standing in that line. Now, I don't know. I'm assuming you're a decade younger than me. Yeah, not Maybe that even much. more. No, 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 no. Okay. not that much. Well, a decade younger, yeah. but standing <laughs> in the line going, how did this take so long? And yeah. do you ever wonder, Dudu, if there'd been social media during the apartheid years, would it have ended sooner? But then we look at what's going on with Ukraine and there mm. is social media. Yeah. So, but it's not getting into Russia. I mean, the stories are not getting into Russia. The, the Russians so aren't seeing exactly it. Exactly. When you are talking about SABC having so much control, you can almost imagine how much the information is being filtered. Right. So information is important in order to make a, a complex topic decisions. that yeah. you and I could be speaking yeah. a lot about. Yeah. But w did you have insecurities as a teenager and how did you overcome them? You know, it's interesting because you think about that. We didn't have social media mm. the way that teenagers have today. I feel for teenagers today with this onslaught of social media. So I think as a regular Girl, yeah. I always felt okay. You weren't comparing yourself all the time to other people. Yeah. But I will tell you, Dudu, and I have to bring it back to this. I think at about 13, 14, when I started to realize the country we were living in, and I started to become what, woke, yeah. awoken to the disparities in this country to apartheid, I remember being very traumatized by that and confronting people about it. And it was a very conflicting thing when I look back. Yeah. Um, personally, I think I was always quite a confident child. And it's interesting because a lot of what I teach is around confidence, yes. but I was one of those naturally extrovert children. I was doing performances for the family, whether they <laughs> liked it or not. Yeah. Now it's interesting because my sister, who is very brilliant, was very shy. She was older than me mm. and I remember being the child that was the extrovert. And it's so interesting as children. Were you an extrovert child or an introvert no, child? introverted. Really? Yes. And then look at you now. Yeah, I'm still introverted. I just do a lot of things in public. Mm, that's so interesting. Yeah. So introversion really being described as someone who gets their energy being alone. Yeah. I love people and I've always loved people and I've always made friends easily. But I love technology because technology has allowed me to, because people think they know me because I post, yes, but they never come across me. And they always find that a contradiction. I'm like, but That's I'm, so not, I'm still not, I'm, you will not find me in parties. And, but I do respect invitations when they do come. Okay, so well, I'm you not are invited. <laughs> but it's interesting because a lot of what I teach is personality style. And I say some people yeah. are fast-paced and outspoken, me. Some people are more thoughtful and reserved. Yeah. And there's many shades in between. Yes. So it's, where are you on the spectrum? But I love what Oscar Wilde says, you may as well like yourself. Yes. Everyone else is already taken. taken. Isn't that a good one? Yeah. But I was a performer. I mean, yeah. I was in all the school plays. Yeah, that drama background is quite interesting, but we'll get into that. So you moved to Atlanta and you say that the Jewish community uh, taught you to have a value of rapport, which is kind of interesting. Well, it's so interesting. And it's yeah. not only the Jewish community, the South African community in Atlanta ah, has okay. been remarkable it because huge? it's huge. Yeah. And there's something about people having this common background. Mm. There's a wonderful book called The House of Sand and Fog, and it's mm -hmm. about Persian Iranian refugees. And they stick together because when you're with people from your past, no, you yeah. can feel a familiarity. You can have some biltong. Yes. <laughs> no, we've got a South African store. Sure, there's yeah. biltong. We and a lot of South Africans make biltong okay. because there's nothing like South African food and brais and biltong. <laughs> <laughs> 
But you are also the owner of Greater Impact Communication. What's the focus of the business? So when I was on Mnet Television here in South yeah. Africa, I always realized that as a woman in front of a camera, mm -hmm. you wanted to have another career. So I've always taught and trained and spoke. Mm. So in South Africa, I had OnQ, which was the first yes. media and presentation skills. Yeah. Business. Yeah. I don't know that there was another one. Adrian Steed and I worked together. Bronwyn Nielsen and I oh, worked wow. together. Okay. So I had on cue. And when I got to the States, I wanted to teach and train as well. So I was working at CNN at the time, but started Greater Impact Communication, mainly to help business people present better. Because mm. what I found is they were fine when they were presenting if there was one person. Mm. But the minute they had to give a presentation to a larger group or in front of a camera, they froze. Yeah. So I have a passion like I know you do. Yeah. I have a passion like I know you do for helping people develop the confidence to project the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's whether they're giving a presentation or whether they're having a conversation or just to understand the methodology behind developing your presence. Mm. And I define presence as you to do. Yeah. You have presence. Presence is your ability to come across with confidence and competence and credibility and charisma. And it's both mindset, but there's also technique behind it. Yeah. So I really try and teach that, and I do that one-on-one, -on -one. I do that to groups, I do that online. Yeah. And you do that quite a lot online, because you, I mean, that's how the I world came across your virtual. space. Yeah. I just love and, how and, we connect. And you are coaching us yes. on the hybrid life and the hybrid way. Um, so you manage, how do you manage when you're not feeling it the most? I was actually thinking about that and appreciating that you're an extrovert, but if you're not feeling excited or enthusiastic before I talk, how do you do it? There's such skill and technique behind yeah. that and it's something I speak about a lot. I yeah. call it acting up even if you're feeling down and that doesn't mean you're not authentic. It means that you have the ability in a moment of anxiety to recall positive past experiences that validate who you are. So think about that. So let's say I'm about to give a talk and something's happened mm. personally. I always used to laugh in America. I used to say, you're about to give a talk and your 401k is now your 201k. Oh boy. And you've got to give a talk. <laughs> One of the best techniques oh is to yeah. actually recall positive memory mm. and think about the things you've done well and creates a new neural pathway in your brain. And I've practiced that to such a degree that I can be feeling very anxious or have had something happen or not even be feeling physically so well, which of course mm -hmm. is part of life. And I literally can recall positive past memory and I can put myself in a zone of positivity. It does take work. And yeah. I did a whole TEDx Emery talk called Own Your Confidence. Mm -hmm. And I go into the technique and the impact on your brain in more detail. Yeah. So... Please, if anybody's yeah. interested, watch that if Can you'd like, like to learn to do it. Look out for it, yeah. Uh, I, I find that even if I'm exhausted, because I love what I do, mm -hmm. I get in front of a class, so in front and of an audience, uh, and I forget how exhausted I was. You know what we call that? Yeah. In stage, we call that Dr. Footlights. Uh -huh. Because stages used to have footlights. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea was the minute you could be feeling ill, you could be dying, but those footlights came up Just and you like, performed. Yeah. There is a part of that. But I think the whole COVID reality and this VUCA world, you know, we call about volatile, yeah. uncertain, mm -hmm. complex, ambiguous. Mm -hmm. So many people are burnt out. Mm -hmm. And having strategies to galvanize, regroup, re-energize is critical. Yeah. But I also think, uh, you know, when you're talking about introvert versus extrovert, I found that 
the first time I spoke in public, it was in a school town hall meeting. And uh, my uncle, Uncle Kabam Kizi, who was a journalist as well, he he saw that I wanted to speak, but I was too scared. And I was literally shaking. How old were you? I was uh, 14, 15. And, uh, and then he put the mic in front of me. And, and I said what I said. And after I said what I said, people just came around me. And I was like, but I didn't say anything amazing. And then I realized, yeah, if you don't make it about you, because I would have deprived those people from getting to the next level of their own thought processes and their emotions. And, and so now I separate myself from the situation and I think, what am I vehicle to wow. accomplish now? That's so, a very powerful technique because you are focusing on what am I sharing, what yeah. am I giving and not on me. And that's another very important thing to be able to so do. Because else then I'll shake. People still get shocked that I'm, I'm shy like that. But if I focus on the message, then I'm fine. But the exciting thing about you, by the age of 25, you had acted in 12 feature films. Uh, we, some of them were cameos, but Style magazine said, uh, you said you do not want to be stereotyped. What wisdom can you share when somebody feels like they can limit their own growth and opportunities by just being limited to what they are known for at that particular time? So firstly, I have to congratulate yeah. you because I've been interviewed multiple times in my career and nobody's ever brought that up. So I think really? it's fantastic. Whoever, I do my research. Your research is remarkable <laughs> because this was researched before social media. So, you know, so often we talk about self-limiting beliefs, right? Mm. I mean, that is what it is my perception of self. There's so many examples of people who were told you can't, you can't, you can't, but they believe they could. Yeah. And I think that's so important. You know, uh, one that immediately comes to mind, Katie Couric, who is very famous yeah. in America, was told multiple times at CNN that she wasn't on camera material. Jeez. And in fact, I was recently you on a call with her. We were having yeah. uh, an alumni meeting and she came on the call and she reminded us of that. So, and there's so many out there, you know, you're not going to be a tennis star, you're not yeah. going to be, so it's the messages you tell yourself, and we do limit ourselves by what we believe we can and can't do, and it's so important that if you really believe you can do it, how many publishers or people who are published will tell you how many times their books were turned down? Yeah. So, I think there's part of it, and I do believe, I mean, this is a multifaceted conversation. You've got to be realistic. But if you perceive yourself in a certain way, you know, I remember once Winnie Mandela came to CNN at one point, and I had a relationship with the family, and I asked if I could do the interview. This was the early days of yeah. CNN. And I was told, no, we need some big name to do the interview. Well, a couple of years later, I landed up being in Winnie's house, did the most incredible interview with her in her house. It was one of the most candid interviews I'm so proud of. Yeah. And that interview we showed on the segment that I did for yeah. CNN, CNN Weekend yeah. Morning Passport. But the first time she came, I was told, no, I'm not yeah. the person for the interview. But I knew I was the person yeah. for the interview. Because sometimes it is about the relationship. I remember the first time my CEO made me realize you are valued, but you're not indispensable. Uh, mm -hmm. William Leach, the most amazing CEO ever. I had used my relationship with one of the men I respect, Katlam Tembu, who at that time was the uh, CEO of New Age Beverages. But something had happened which had a racial undertone. And the only way I could assure him that I would not be part of that was to write him a letter as an individual to say, you know who I am. So whatever you're hearing is not true. 
but I couldn't because my CEO would not have allowed me to send it. So I sent it to him yes. and, and Mr. Mtemi was very happy because he says, if Dudu is not part of this, I will not believe. Because we would have lost the business. But, it was 20 million rand account. But isn't that a great example? Yeah. Of, but it's of, about relationship, not the hierarchy. It's about relationship, but there's more what you did in that moment which you gave yourself permission. Yeah. And I think that's, you, you didn't wait for someone else. And I yeah. think that's something... He, he said, I could have fired you to do. <laughs> if it, yeah. Exactly. Because it was not the appropriate thing to do. In, in, but I'm just saying that in, they should have seen your relationship more than your position. Ah, So it's interesting, right, to unpack that. Yeah. But also, I often have long, young journalists who come to me and say, Nadia, I want to be on CNN or I want to be. And I say, start your own podcast. Yeah. Have your own channel. I have my own streaming platform yeah. where I got to interview yeah. you and it was one of my best interviews. But do your own thing. Mm. But it's about giving self-permission. Yeah. Start somewhere and if somebody sees value in it, they will follow you. Don't let other people define you. So this is a perfect place to ask this question. So if you were not here tomorrow, what do you think we'll miss about you? Oh, I think about that a lot. Yeah. I think about that a lot. I, I tell my children. You know, begin with the end in mind. Yeah, said, my favorite. Uh, yeah. Stephen Covey, exactly. I think genuine desire to connect other people, genuine desire. My daughters think I sometimes overthink about people, but I think they'd miss that. I truly um, want to connect people and, and want to bring joy to the world. Yeah. I do. But I think you have basis. a spirit of abundance because <laughs> I, I think you don't think it takes anything away from you. No, exactly. Yeah. So I'll give you an example to do. So my daughter um, was having us for dinner and I said, could I invite this other couple? And she said, mom, sure, but why do you care so much? I said, yes, if that's my worst quality, I want to have one great. She cared <laughs> and you were invited to her party. <laughs> I invite everyone, yeah. which of course drives my family mad because yeah. I start off at five and it ends it's at like, 500. Yeah. You know, but I think that's also the South African If in you me, were right? the one catering. Exactly. <laughs> yes, you're right. What's the most uh, courageous decision you've taken in your life thus far and what drove you to that decision? So it's interesting you asked about courageous decisions. And when I saw that question, because Dudu very kindly sent me some of the questions up front, I said the most courageous thing I've ever done is speak about the Greek debt crisis on CNN. Really? No. So it was a morning. What happened was it, it was around 2013, 14, just correct me and we didn't have the resources on the weekend CNN does now yeah and my producer said Nadia I did these international segments live every weekend and she said well this morning can you do one on the Greek debt crisis and I we've got a brilliant international desk at CNN and I yeah. ran to the international desk and I got some facts on the Greek debt crisis and the next minute I was live on air talking about <laughs> like, the expert like the experts I am talking about the Greek debt crisis but I think over the last COVID period, I want to bring it back to that, is the ability to really embrace technology. You spoke about loving technology and doing live broadcasts and doing webinars and just saying, I have the courage to be imperfect. Yeah. Because so often, Dudu, I think we think everything's got to be perfect. I mean, earlier today, while I was waiting for you, I did a live broadcast and it wasn't perfect because I couldn't end the broadcast and then I got John's name wrong which I was mortified about but it's okay so I think the courage to be imperfect yeah I think people also appreciate that I think so you co-authored the book um, on networking called survival tool for freelancers 
So, yes, but um, I've got an Own Your Space, which is a yeah. woman's guide that I did with Laurie Milner. And yeah. then I wrote a book called Own Your Network. Uh -huh. That was my first book. And it came out of moving to America uh -huh. and only knowing the head of security at CNN, who knew the head of security at MNET, and talking about the importance of authentic relationship building. And I'm in the process, and you are in the book, oh, of dear. Ramplify. It's how yeah. do you ramp up and amplify your reach. Yeah. Any advice for people in the gig economy? Because I think you've done a bit of that. How do you... Because uh, I think people feel very vulnerable that they don't have stability. This is... It's COVID already exacerbated people's sense of uh, insecurity, yeah. okay, right? We already felt the world was an uncertain place and it petrified people and real damage has been caused. But with the war in Ukraine and what is happening, I think people's sense of security is at mm. an all-time low. Yeah. So my advice to people, and I have four key things that I say to people. Number one, focus on self. That's the F. You've got to focus on your inner world because it's easy to focus on the outer world, right? Yeah. And focus on what we do have control over. And I know this is easier said than done. But you start somewhere. You exactly. Thinking about it, practicing it, and then it becomes and then, your reality. And then the I, R, and E, you have to go to the TEDx Emery talk to hear what yeah. they are. Okay. Okay. Shh. Okay. <laughs> uh, you say the most critical skill in business is building rapport and confidence. Uh, talk to us about how and how you do that as a person. I think one of the most overlooked skills is the ability to build real relationships. And if you look at you, Dudu, yes, you are so skilled in the area of executive coaching and leadership coaching and strategy. But you mentioned part of your success in a competitive environment has been that people like you and they trust you and they want to do business with you. And we can't overlook that. And in an age of technology where we're behind screens so much, the people who are really accelerating their careers get this and get the importance of relationship building. It's a cornerstone. Also, and I love Patrick Lencioni in The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. He speaks about absence of trust mm -hmm. as the number one dysfunction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how do you build trust? You build trust through building bonds. So yeah. relationship, relationship, relationships mindset and how to are critical because people ultimately buy you people, all things being absolutely. equal they yeah. need to trust you yeah you learning to speak turkish why okay i love it well i'm obsessed with, <laughs> uh, with, with netflix turkish shows because the acting is so good but really what i love is anything in a foreign language uh -huh. anything in a foreign language so, I mean, is I it because they sound sexy. I just think <laughs> I love I think Turkish is the most uh, um, just musical language. Yeah. I absolutely love it. But I remember learning Eguseni, Pantam, Bamba, Pussy Coffee, Pussy Frisco, Frisco when I was a little girl. Yeah. And then Fiela, 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 Wanyana, Fiela, Wanyana, Usiela, Maklakaleng. I've always loved language yeah. and I, I want to be so whether it's Turkish or Spanish. Yeah. He loves Spanish. Yeah. I want to learn Spanish. Yeah. I want to learn Suto. I want to learn Zulu. I want to learn Peri. I mean, I want to learn Turkish. I have a number of Spanish friends. They'll be very happy I at know. this point. And the thing is, I learn all my languages from watching soap. So I'm yeah. very dramatic in yeah. how I speak. But Turkish, if you've got a Turkish person and you say, Teşekkürler, yeah. which means thank you, or you go merhaba, yeah. merhaba, isn't it musical? Yeah, it does. And people, you know, even, so in Atlanta, the people who do the nails are mainly Asian and a lot from Vietnam. Yeah. So if you say thank you, come on, 
they look at you with such joy and delight. <laughs> so it's not Turkish particularly, or Sutu, Zulu, yeah. Swano, Pedi. I just love to talk to people in their language. In language and make them feel oh like you're connecting for real. Exactly. So you have two daughters, Alexa and Julia. What is the one wisdom you can share about bringing up girl children to thrive in the world? of our 21st century that we're well, enjoying so all, much. Well, first of all, I was interviewed recently and someone yeah. said, what age in all the ages of the world would you like to live in? I say now because women are empowered. And both my daughters are very strong women. Yeah. I have to tell you, Dudu, my husband always said he didn't want to frill. He wanted to raise women of substance. Ooh, yeah. They are women of substance and they're both entrepreneurs. But I, this is my mantra, though. I believe if you learn to handle conflict in life, mm -hmm. you are an, at an advantage. I think too few people know how to seamlessly handle difficulty yeah. and conflict gracefully and graciously. And because they, I am a people pleaser, so I'm too nice and I'm learning to be a little bit more assertive. But for my daughters, whenever there's a conflict, I say learn to handle conflict gracefully and graciously yeah. in a win-win. And I think personally and professionally life is better. Mm, very mm. definite about yeah, that. Those are good lessons. Do you experience experience unfair discrimination as a Jewish person? Now you asked that and I thought, oh, you know, truly I think being a Jewish person, and I say this to Jewish friends, hopefully heightens your awareness around discrimination to anyone. Yeah. And it was interesting because I was once in a conversation with a friend and she said, you know, my tickets to Dubai were so cheap and I didn't even Jew them down. And I went like this. And oh, she, is that a saying? It's oh. a derogatory saying oh, because never, it's like it's a stereotyping saying. So that's yeah. what she said to me. And I remember saying, to, being horrified. And she said, is that offensive? And I said, it's any stereotyping is offensive. Yeah. Nobody wants to be stereotyped. You and me want to be seen for Dudu and Nadia. Mm. You know, one of my friends in America says, people always say, must I call you African-American or must I call you black? She says, call me Gail. You know, that's a start. Exactly. <laughs> Do, so my point to you is, yeah. as a Jewish person, my feeling is it has heightened one's level of discrimination yeah. in the world. And one thing you asked me about my children, you have to know we all experience certain level of judgment, how to override it and how to see people for people. And hopefully the history of the Jewish people has taught me that. Yeah. Jeez. I'm still flabbergasted, but I haven't heard that. Uh, but I'm just I saying, it's, but, yeah. do you tell me that there's not one person I haven't spoken to, black, white, Indian, Chinese, who hasn't had some, what we call a microaggression? Yeah. The difference is I'm, I can hear it. Yeah. You know, I was with somebody the other day and she said to the African-American woman, so are you from the islands? And the woman went, no, I'm from Chicago. And she oh went, God. are you sure you're not from the <laughs> islands? Oh my gosh. I've been with people of color who go to the first class line and someone goes are you sure you're in the right line so you want to know what it does it oh raises gosh. my level of awareness yeah. and I like to think you know the American have you heard the term woke yeah I like to think I'm woke <laughs> I like to think I am aware we have been told it's no longer a term to use oh is it not so what's it now I have no idea no, you I better tell me to, do I, I have to be very I like, careful I like Bill Maher so I've, I've, put it this I've way I never stuff. ever talk about uh, your husband or your wife. Yeah. I will always talk about your significant other, your partner. Oh, so we need to ask Bill Maher what the term is. <laughs> Put it this way, I like to he say... He was told it's already like... I am a, a very budget. conscious person. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't discriminate and it doesn't yes. mean you don't discriminate, yeah, but happens. I like to think of myself yeah. as conscious. I'm I like conscious to... when I'm doing it and then I have to hold myself well, that, back. Well, isn't that the <laughs> aim? Yeah. 
it's and that's what like, I teach people. Yeah. You sometimes have to override first yeah. impression. Yeah. I once had a man in the front row of a talk I was given, and he had his head like this. I said, did I upset you? Did I offend you? He said, no, 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 but you remind me of my ex-wife, and I hate her. Oh, <laughs> oh and, you, and you still had to continue. <laughs> I'm telling you, we all have a level of we judgment. We all have, yeah. Does anything keep you awake at night? Right now, as we stand, the world of uncertainty and what is happening, and it sounds very cliche, but the images of what is going on in Ukraine right now and the fact that it can happen is devastating for me. It's absolutely devastating. It is a serious cause. The fact that we're all watching it and there's nothing we can do. Well, people are really being generous. I know some friends of mine have bought Airbnb. Yeah, you can uh, nights. And, oh, that's good. And, I mean, you can give yeah. certainly, but the fact that it can happen it's, in our time yeah. and our generation, and I do. I mean, for my own children, and please, we say, please God, one day having grandchildren, I worry about this obsession with social media and other. Yeah. And the onslaught of comparison. You know, Eleanor Roosevelt famously said, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. It, and that's it what worries we do me. now. Yeah. Yeah. Just be better than who you were yesterday. That's it. That's, I, that's, that's why I do. love everything you put out there, Judy. Let's just do that and just um, don't strain yourself so much. I know, but so you much. know, you're, you were also raised without social media in your face the way it is right now. But we did have peer pressure. So it's just a different expression of it now. I think if we worked more on our inside, because, you know, there's, there's just so much work to do. I just don't have time to be comparing if there's a lot of work to there's do. There's only one to do. <laughs> um, if you were to describe the people of South Africa as you've experienced them from before you left and after, what would you say? And what do you observe that we don't appreciate about ourselves as South Africa? I South can, Africans. Exactly. Yeah. South Africans for me are the warmest friendliest, most connecting individuals. If you say, what is what is the one of the things you miss most? It's the people, it's you, it's this conversation. Also, it's interesting because my brother's mother-in-law has just moved into a senior living facility. And one thing he was saying, just the respect that South mm. Africans have for older people. I mean, there's something so remarkable about South Africans, their resilience, their kindness. I mean, think about this to do. I mean, apartheid happens. South Africa moves on it's not perfect. It's not Nirvana. But you visit, people's sense of joy is something that stands yeah. out for me. Anyway, I think we are giving, giving people, forgiving people. Very forgiving people. Sometimes to a fault, but hey. Yeah, you and I can talk about that at length as well. <laughs> is and you know, it's interesting yeah. we're choosing to have this conversation because there's so many other conversations, conversations we, we can have. have. Yeah, Is there a legacy you're trying to leave in this world? If I truly, on a daily basis, can make somebody's life better, and I know it sounds very trite, but tr I feel if I can bring joy, if I yeah. can be kind, if I can bring joy, if people can leave my classes and my workshops going, I feel better about myself and the world, yes. But certainly to my own daughters, I yeah. would like to leave them a good role model of mm. a kind person. I think it's an overlooked quality. Have you asked them how they <laughs> do experience they're, you? They're so funny because I send them a daily motivational quote, yeah. which they now share with their friends. But sometimes I'll be saying something and they'll roll their eyes and go, oh, you know, she's a motivational speaker. 
<laughs> but you'll remember those words. I must say, my mom is 82 now. Yes. And um, I mean, I've always enjoyed my parents, both of them, before my father. And people, it's always amazing how enjoy every day. I was like, I've been enjoying the every day, every second with my parents. I, you know, it's just, you didn't, I don't need to know that there's an end date to do that. And they've brought me up thinking that. So wow. they've always been priority. So my business has always come second. And I have guardian angels who help me or else I'll be in the streets in terms of just opportunities. Because my focus is on my mother. And at making the moment. people's lives and making your mother's life yeah. more wonderful while she's still alive. What would you like your legacy to be? Uh, I don't know. I think whoever is there will will, will say. Because okay. um, some things, somebody will feed back and say, you said that and this is how my life has moved on. And some things I don't remember That's until somebody. Powerful. Yeah. So, I, you know, everybody experiences you differently and whatever they need at that time. That's the legacy you will leave with them. Okay, that's saying? powerful. I, I, I don't know. Well, it is interesting to start to think about how you yeah. want, and then how are you showing up to be remembered in that way? Yeah. Well, hopefully in my work that I do in leadership, in, in strategy and governance, hopefully there's something positive. But often above that, hey, it's uh, whatever I'm doing. Hopefully, I don't want to hurt people. I always say, as long as I'm not hurting people, that's most important. And you're bringing love into your mother's life and you're making her priority. Yeah. That's yes. important. And she's still looking very cute. I was just saying, <laughs> I, I want to have to, I have to fight very hard for the manis and petties and facials. <laughs> um, anything still on your bucket list still to accomplish? Well, I want to ride an elephant in Thailand. Have you heard that that is a very spiritual experience? No, well, I've written, I've written, I've ri rode, did I, ri <laughs> what <do> you, ride, <laughs> I've ridden one in uh, Zimbabwe. Did you? It was Elephants. a spiritual experience. Oh my God. But the entire, we went to Wange, which is on the eastern part, and I think they were having a meeting because we just passed <laughs> hundreds of them walking towards the same direction. Oh my gosh. And I mean, it was just like spiritual. It was just like watching them. And then I think they still were the four brothers, the lions. Yes. I mean, I was so, it was so painful when the other one was killed um, for yes, a trophy. Yes, yes. But we had seen the them. The American dentist. So, yeah, so I mean, it's very spiritual, the whole thing around elephants. Well, that would be, I have so many things. I would love to be fluent in a few more languages, yeah. but. I mean, there are some accents. Actually, you're good at accents, aren't you? I used to be really good. Um, what accent? I used to be able to do a really good North Country. There was a play I was in by Sheila yeah. Delaney, and I loved accents. But <laughs> I'm a bit out of practice now. I just think just appreciating accents is enough languages for me. But, That's okay. Yeah, Turkish. <laughs> so we can chat forever, as you know. In wrapping up, what wisdom would you like to leave us with? I'd like to leave you with the fact that there is no greater impediment to getting on well with other people than being ill at ease with yourself. Mm. And that sometimes we really have to look at ourselves and find a way of getting to peace. And I also love what Brene Brown says. She says, it's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. Mm. Right? So just Sometimes we need to shift and it's hard, you know, it's all very well. I'm saying this and people say, oh, you know, look at her life. But we all have our struggles and it's just finding a way of 
really harnessing your thoughts? Yeah. No, I don't believe in the whole thing. I mean, we have diff difficult lives, but when you walk around our country mm -hmm. and you go into squatter camps and people are joyous, I mean, isn't that remarkable? And you just, speak to your friend who's on every antidepressant and who isn't thin enough and who isn't successful enough know, and isn't so rich enough and isn't... You find meaning. It's not the most ideal life we all would like to have. I would love nobody to live in squatter camps and in poor conditions. But the fact that people can find dignity and find joy, that's something special. That is a powerful thing. So what about one's inner world? Yeah. What are you telling yourself? Yeah. You know, so that for me is, is being part of my survival, I mm. think, is working on that. And Dudu, my wonderful mother, has just joined us. So after this fabulous interview, I hope you get to meet her because she is to. a source of inspiration for me and just is a person who lives the values of being a giver. My mother knows every single person in her neighborhood. She knows every person. She knows every person who works for every person. And she is constantly saying, how can I give? Yeah. How can I so share? So you got that from the breast, basically. Uh, I really think I have a very good role yeah, model. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you will pass it on. And, and you I, have as your mother. Yes. And maybe one day the mothers will meet. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was awesome. Dudu Msomi. Talking to wisdom about one of the most wise women I know. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. As a young actress in the 90s, the press in South Africa were describing Nadia as a sultry, almond-eyed beauty, a sex symbol. Over the decade, Nadia has broken stereotypes and created a body of work spanning radio, film, television, stages, and now online platforms and social media as well. She continues to recreate herself. Wisdom personified indeed. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wisdom Personified Conversations with Durum Somi. Please also like, follow and subscribe to our channel and share the wisdom with your friends. I would love it if you could rate and review as well. Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi is also available on YouTube, Facebook Watch, Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Enjoy the wisdom journey.